Welcome to Better Days Season 6. My name is Wesley Town, and I am so glad you are joining me today. Better Days is a listener-supported nonprofit seeking to bring hope, awareness, and education to the human experience of mental health and suffering. We aim to deconstruct misconceptions of what it means to be human and follow Jesus. If you'd like to learn more or support our work, you can check out our website, betterdaysfmly.co. Again, that's betterdaysfmly.co. Hi, Better Days family. Wesley here, and I'm so glad that you joined me today for a conversation around anxiety. This is week two, so I want to encourage you to listen to last week's episode as I explain quite a bit of nuance around anxiety to help us to understand what it is and also shared some of my story with my experience with anxiety. Today, we're going to explore what the Bible says about anxiety. I find that this topic in the Bible is so misunderstood and often viewed in such like a narrow and overly simplistic way. Whenever a discussion around anxiety takes place, whenever I talk about this um, kind of theologically and biblically, many people are surprised that there are far more layers to anxiety in the Bible than the very simplistic teaching that most people have heard on it. So let's jump right in. What does the Bible say about anxiety? First, the Bible teaches that there are normal anxieties and concerns that all humans feel. The New Testament term for anxiety is used in various contexts. And one of the contexts is, hey, you're a human and there are normal human concerns. That's kind of the root idea of this New Testament word for anxiety. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, Paul writes about his own anxiety saying, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I always am surprised that people are kind of like taken back by that, that Paul dealt with anxiety, that he had normal human anxieties. He had normal concerns uh, that he carried around for people. Um, He also wrote in Philippians 2.28, the same book that he said, do not be anxious about anything. He wrote this, I'm the more eager to send him. This was a coworker of his. Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So on two occasions, one in which we quote the most famous verse about anxiety, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul said, hey, I'm feeling anxious. And if I send my coworker right now to help you, to serve you, to care for you, to lead you, I'm going to feel a lot less anxious. So Paul dealt with anxiety, normal anxieties, normal human concerns, this normal emotion that we care and we have concerns for people in our life. Think about it this way. If you're a parent and there are certain dangers or certain potentialities that your uh, children are facing in different stages and ages in their life, you're going to carry normal, loving human concerns because you care about your kids. We are not robots. We are not robots who don't feel, who don't have emotions, who don't care, who don't have concern. That is not a walking, breathing human being. That's a false perception of being human and following Jesus. You do have cares. You do have concerns. You do have normal emotions. 
And you will feel those concerns at different points in your life, and sometimes they're just normal and healthy. Second, the Bible teaches that there are unhealthy anxieties, which we would categorize as obsessive concerns that can overtake us. That's where this verse comes into play, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This context isn't focused on normal anxiety, normal human concerns. This is focused on obsessive concerns, where they overtake you and paralyze you, where you feel overwhelmed by anxiety based on obsessive fears or worries or concerns that have crossed the line from normal to obsessive. So that's a context uh, that we see around anxiety as well. Third, the Bible leaves room for deep human suffering and painful experiences that entail feelings of stress and anxiety. Sometimes we just go through traumatic events, deep suffering, painful experiences, and we feel anxiety. That's not a moral issue. That's a human reality. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see one of these contexts and experiences, one of these stories. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Hannah um, is talking about this crisis that she's going through. And it was a layered crisis. And she says to Uh, someone who had misrepresented what she was experiencing, she said, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I have been speaking out of, listen, my great anxiety and vexation. She, She was just going through a really painful experience, deep human suffering, trauma in her life. And as a result of that, she had great anxiety. That wasn't wrong. That was just human. And facing the hardships of being a human in a broken world and the biological reactions, the emotional feelings that come with trauma and suffering and pain. So there's three major categories of anxiety in the Bible. And let me add some thoughts to an often misunderstood passage on anxiety, referring back to Philippians 4, 5, and 6. Do not be anxious for anything is referring to obsessive human concerns. Paul's not writing to tell us that we would never feel anxiety. That's impossible, physiologically, biologically. He is teaching us to not obsessively concern ourselves over fears, worries, potentialities, future realities, future troubles. The focus here is on anxiety that pertains to our thought life in particular. So it'd be ruminating on thoughts that cause us to be anxious. Paul is not saying do not be anxious for nothing in relationship to maybe anxiety rooted in trauma or anxiety rooted in a medical condition or like my wife experiences on a daily basis, anxiety rooted in a brain injury. He's not negating those things. Because, for example, if you have a brain injury or medical condition, you can't not feel anxiety in some of those situations. It, 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 it's rooted in that condition that you're experiencing. 
But yes, we still involve God in all these areas of our life, but we can misapply this verse to a context that could be harmful spiritually to a person. For example, if somebody had just experienced major trauma, or maybe they experienced it years ago, and they're still feeling anxiety over that trauma situation, and we teach Don't be anxious for anything. And by anxiety, we mean any form of anxiety in any situation. If we teach that and that person is somebody that has walked through, lived through, experienced trauma, but never got the trauma help, trauma counseling, trauma therapy that they need, all of a sudden you tell them that you just need to pray. It's going to fix all your anxiety. And they try to do that for a week doesn't work. For a month, it doesn't work. For a year, it doesn't work. For two years, it doesn't work. All of a sudden, that person is disillusioned spiritually because they think, wow, why does this work for everyone else? So they think, but it doesn't for me. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't care about me. Maybe I'm not good enough. If we misapply, if we paint this broad brush picture and make a definitive statement for all situations and misapply this truth beyond its original focus and context, we can hurt people. We can leave people disillusioned. So we don't want to do that. That's why it's really important to understand the layers and the nuance over something like this that is so normal for many people's lives. Now, continuing just to kind of add some thoughts uh, to this reality of anxiety. Every thought you and I think is not truth. Every thought you and I think is not reality. And so when we are obsessively thinking about, you know, or ruminating about something that could be, you know, catastrophic or doom or, you know, it's the worst case scenario, We don't have to believe every thought we think. We have to learn to think about what we think about. That's really important. So that we're not developing destructive or unhealthy thought patterns, which then form in our brains and become default ways of thinking. Um, Our brain picks up on patterns and develops default ways of thinking. And so we have to ask ourselves when we're beginning to think this way, unhealthy, and we're feeling just obsessive concerns and it's overwhelming us, if we're doing that and living in that form of anxiety, we have to begin to say, is this thought healthy or unhealthy? Is this thought based in truth or untruth? Is this thought based in reality or potentiality? Is this narrative in my mind that I'm developing, that I'm writing a true story or fiction. It's really important that we begin to think about what we think about. You might say, okay, so I uh, struggle with anxiety. um, And in particular, I struggle with obsessive concern, thinking about like worst case scenarios. So What are some examples of unhealthy thought patterns? I think that's a great question. Here's some examples. When we only see black and white and we find no room for gray areas in life, 
We may even lay this burden of polarized thinking on people around us, causing them to not feel free to think differently about an issue or come to a different conclusion than us. That could be an unhealthy thought pattern. Another unhealthy thought pattern could be when we only focus on the negatives in situations or relationships and we ignore the positives. We may even view one negative situation or relationship as catastrophic. Somebody does something negative and it's just catastrophic and conclude that everything about that situation or relationship now is defined by negativity. Another negative uh, unhealthy thought pattern would be when we assume we can read people's minds and determine, you know, unhealthy negative interpretations around what they're thinking and our own perception around what they're thinking instead of communicating. Uh, Another example, and this would really fit into this idea of obsessive concern, when we obsessively think about the future in terms of fears, potential what-if scenarios, and we live, we harbor in uh, pessimistic thinking. Um, Another form of unhealthy thought pattern could be when we take everything personally in our professional life and or our relationships. We don't allow for constructive development or growth or, um, you know, feedback. A couple more examples. When we ruminate on thoughts of bitterness, hatred, anger, vengeance, those types of um, thoughts and feelings that we ruminate and we harbor and we, we leave no room for dealing with those and processing those in a healthy way. One more that I think is really, uh, can be problematic in our culture, especially around social media and the digital world, when we constantly compare ourselves to other people and find it impossible to live up to unreasonable ideas. I can't help to conclude that there's a great possibility that so many people that are growing up, you know, uh, millennials and Gen Z that are growing up in these younger generations, um, that so many of us are feeling anxiety because we see so much on social media. We see these lives that look so per- perfect and flawless. And, and it seems like, wow, how come I don't look like that? Or how come I'm not as influential? Or how come I don't have as many likes? Or how come um, you know, I'm not you know, as famous or I can't compare to this person that I, that I know or that I look up to on social media. I think because everything is staged and everything is filtered that we have these unreasonable ideas and we compare ourselves with people and it creates anxiety in us. And so we really have to be thoughtful about our thought life. We really have to learn to think about what we think about and deconstruct unhealthy thought patterns and begin to build healthy thought patterns and have a filter system in our minds so that we don't allow unhealthy thought patterns to take root and to become default patterns of thinking. I also want to add a few more thoughts. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're experiencing anxiety, first of all, I want to say there is no condemnation you should not feel ashamed if you're experiencing anxiety, uh, whether it's any form of anxiety. And I also want you to know that God is not God does not shame us. God cares about us. 
In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, um, the Bible says, basically, cast your anxieties to me for I care about you. And I think the idea behind that is that we're not able to carry all the burdens of life on our own. We get into these situations or potential situations and God knows that, hey, life is heavy and hard and painful and complex at times. And I want you to know that you don't have to carry all the burdens of life on your own. I want you to know if you're experiencing anxiety, God cares about you. God is near to you and God wants to help you. God never dehumanizes us. God never dismisses our pain and suffering. God draws near to help us and offer his help as we carry the burdens of life. When it comes to this idea of do not be anxious, but pray about everything, prayer for anxieties is an opportunity to invite God into the everyday challenge that we're going through and to allow him to enter into that thought, that situation, that reality or potential reality, our fears, our burdens, our worries, our struggles. Prayer for anxiety is also an opportunity to practice gratitude, to realize that sometime in life we are so overwhelmed, so burdened, feel so much pain, we are afraid of the future that we forget to notice the good even in the hard. And when Philippians says, you know, pray about everything, be grateful, uh, the idea there is that gratitude is such a good thing in the midst of hard seasons. There are still good things in you and around you and for you. And God is good and he's still present with you and he wants to help you in the midst of this. One more thought before we end this podcast. I think when it comes to anxiety, a lot of us, we've experienced it and we've so focused on the symptoms that we forget that there's often a source. There's often a root cause behind our anxiety or causes. And I think that it's really important that we begin to think this way, not just focusing on our symptoms, but maybe walking with someone that can help us to unravel the root cause or causes of anxiety in our life. Anxiety can become, can be, part of me, symptomatic of various underlying causes, stress, trauma, um, obsessive fears, worries, concerns, probably technology overload, digital addiction, uh, thoughts of comparison and struggle with ideas based on filtered content on social media, like I said previously, uh, maybe a home life that is emotionally toxic where you're living in a continuum of stress and trauma on a daily basis, possibly a relationship that's emotionally toxic and you're living in a continuum of stress and trauma. Or maybe you're dealing with spiritual struggles. You, you're, you're carrying heavy burdens of doubt, guilt, bitterness, um, uh, so on and so forth, shame. And you need somebody to talk to. I just want to encourage you, or maybe you have a health issue. Don't be ashamed to reach out for help. Finding someone to help you walk down the path of identifying and learning about anxiety is often crucial for long-term help. 
There are people that are trained in unearthing the root causes and teaching tools to help people move forward. So I want to, I want to say, don't be afraid to reach out to a psychologist, a therapist, a doctor, a pastor. Maybe you're going to feel most comfortable with a friend or family member, and at least you can start to talk and that person can understand, and you can begin to understand as you unravel what you're experiencing and maybe start to identify some of the roots. I know I've gotten help professionally for anxiety, and I've learned so much that has helped me immensely. And there are people that want to help you. So I know being vulnerable is hard, but I want to encourage you to open up and get help. Share with somebody. Share with somebody that you're comfortable with, that is safe. Share with somebody that's a professional that has been trained either or. Just take a step if you have been overwhelmed with anxiety and you do not know how to move forward. Take a step by telling someone and start to talk about it. Start to share about it. And then if you need further help, seek out professional help a psychologist, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a doctor that can begin to point you in the right direction. And always know that God is there for you. Talking to God about your anxieties is so helpful, life-giving. You don't have to bottle them in. You don't have to suppress your anxiety. You don't have to hide it from him. He wants to be a spiritual relational home to help you as you're walking through anxiety. I hope all of this helps. So much love to all of you. There are better days ahead. Thanks for joining me today. I would love for you to help us to spread the word to bring hope for better days to as many people as possible. You can send the podcast link to your family and friends, post something on your social media, and write a review on iTunes. As well, go check out betterdaysfmly.co for more resources. I look forward to another conversation next week. Much love to you. There are better days ahead.